Welcome to the latest We Are Sailing podcast. I'm Nick Johnson and I'm joined by Chairman Mike Goodwin and Chief Executive John Crute. We discuss various on and off the field topics. We answer some questions posed by supporters and we reveal a new appointment on the recruitment front. All this coming up, but first of all, we start with Mike reflecting on the season overall. I thought it was a you know a mixed season, to be perfectly honest with you. I thought we started off really well and ended up slightly disappointed, I think, uh, or very disappointed. I mean, I watched the uh, Grimsby game. You know, all credit to them, they've gone straight back up, which is something that I know we wished we could have done. Um, and they were good value for the win for me, but... It, uh, it was disappointing to think that perhaps you know we should have been at the final had we had the likes of um, Danny Rowe, Jack Clark, and uh, Cabby Shamanga in the side on on the Sunday at Hot- Solihull. I think we would have won. Um, but you know we can't go back and cry about um, injuries. Uh, they plagued us all season and other upheavals that we've had. So I think you know to end up in the playoffs with all the um, adversity that we've been through. Was, was perhaps a, a reasonable attempt. It was, um, we got one further than last year. I think what we can do now is look forward to next season and build on what we've had for the last two. Same as I said the other day, you know, the previous regime, we had five years where we had two relegations and three um, bottom half of the table finishers. Uh, we've been in charge two years and, uh, and we've actually had two playoff places. Um, not where we wanted to be, but, um, you know, better than we have been doing. Was it the same for you, John, a case of uh, thinking what might have been? Yeah, definitely. Uh, like uh, Mike says really, early on in the week, I saw the uh, Grimsby-Solihull game and, uh, um, you know, credit to them. But, uh, yeah, it's frustrating. It'll be remembered to me, I think, as a season of injuries, really. Uh, to key players and long-term injuries as well. It's not just that they were out for just a couple of weeks and... Uh, you know, I mean, George Carline, who, you know, is at Wrexham, horrendous tattle there, cabby down at uh, at Weymouth. You know, it just seems strange to me that we don't even, uh, you know, that they went without any fouls or anything, I think. And, and we had other ones as well. But long term, that was the, to key players. And you think, you know, that can only really improve. It can't get much much worse than that, really, to be honest. No, you might expect one or two of those a season, but yeah. certainly not five, six, and seven. Yeah. You know, so I think we have been a little bit unlucky, but uh, I think what we need to do is is perhaps analyse it and and see if we can improve that. Whether there've been any contributory factors, let's have a look at it. Yeah, I think we look at that and we look at uh, sort of what's happened with things like uh, uh, is there anything we can do for injury uh, to prevent injuries and things like that. But when they impact injuries, it's very difficult. And of course, the uh, retained list was announced uh, soon after the end of the season. And uh, we have invited questions from supporters ahead of this recording of the uh, podcast. And uh, Jamie Howard asks, uh, are the transfer listed players on the list purely for football reasons, budgetary or a mix of both? Well, I think first and foremost is that um, the manager decides who's retained and who's not. Um, so whilst, yeah, clearly any good club custodians have to keep an eye on a budget they are football based decisions the manager's got a focus he knows where he wants to go with things 
and I think it's with that in mind really we've uh, we've retained some released others and they're, they're all good lads there are no no bad lads at our club um, certainly when you know you've been here as long as I have you've seen different lads come and go but they're all good good lads that uh, and I'm sure the ones that have been released will go on to find other clubs and probably a few surprises in there but as I say Paul's Paul's got his own thoughts on on the way forward and fans are always keen to know about transfer plans so can you uh, reveal how far down the line we are with uh, making some inroads into the transfer market yeah yeah I'm happy to do that with we've, uh, we've been speaking to a number of players and there's certainly uh, a couple that are very close to coming to fruition but of course uh, in this league um, I think 1st of July is the first uh, date that you can actually sign players anyway so but we're well down the line we're talking to a number of players Fans will be uh, eagerly keeping an eye on our Twitter feed to hear first just who we've signed so uh, always an exciting time for uh, supporters and that leads on to recruitment Mike and uh, what can you tell us about the uh, recruitment plans overall? Not just the uh, imminent signings, but I'd always spoken in the past about uh, ways of, of looking at the recruitment and how we can improve that. Yeah, I think it's no secret when the Trust came in, we wanted to put the building blocks in place to um, bring the right players to the club so that we weren't knee-jerk reaction in um, the purchase of players when we had either injuries or players left the club. And to a degree we did do that with um, Lee Turnbull and that didn't work out, um, as you know, and it's well documented. But since Paul's come in, he's wanted to do exactly the same. And Paul has worked hard with John and they've brought in uh, a couple of new guys. Um, one is Kieran, Kieran Cook. He, he deals with the South and he's our chief scout. But um, We've just recently brought in uh, a head of recruitment um, who we're quite excited about. He's been with Burton Albion for quite a number of years and um, he's just fresh in the saddle and uh, starting to work already. You know, So we're quite excited how that is going to happen. They're already identifying targets. As John says, we've already had negotiations with two or three players and, and they're virtually there. We can't say too much until the 1st of July. We don't want to show a hand just in case. But we will have players in place you know, ready for the um, start of the new training regime, which will be, I think, about first week in July, isn't it, John? Yeah. We'll come back for yeah. pre-season training. Uh, but Paul will want those in place then, or certainly uh, a key amount of those. So, yeah, exciting times. I think it's something that will serve us in good stead for the future, have a proper recruitment room. As we've seen before, John, recruitment is vital. We've had uh, a good recruitment system in place in the past and uh, plans now to try and replicate that. Yeah, that's right. It's about building foundations for the club really moving forward. Um, and, you know, hopefully after the, this season coming that we'll, be, uh, we'll have AFL football back. And it's about building for them as well. But, you know, one step at a time, we're looking at uh, having the right foundations, the right players and uh, getting the list out there so that we are on the on the front foot with bringing players in. Uh, we particularly want some young, hungry lads that are going to come in and, and really want to be part of what we're doing. It's a, it's a fantastic club, it's fantastic support and there are a lot of players out there that want to come to this club so um, Paul certainly knows the type of player he wants um, and with Paul's here to, to help see, see that project through 
and we, we, we just want to make sure that we are in a position to bring the best players possible to the club, really. And leading on from recruitment, another source of uh, fresh blood, if you like, in the squad is uh, the academy. We've seen one or two youngsters making very good progress this season. We saw Lekan Torres, named as the academy player of the year after scoring over 50 goals at that level. So um, the future looks bright for uh, the academy and hopefully one or two youngsters uh, making that breakthrough to the first team, Mike. Yeah, real success story. I think the academy, um, I mean, everybody knows uh, what happened to the other academy when we actually got uh, relegated. Within a couple of years, it had to disappear because of funding. And the trust set up a self-funding model and we've brought some real key people in there. And um, it's working really well. And you can see that um, the academy lads have won trophies already this year and it keeps growing and growing and growing. And we are bringing, you know, real good potential players through. And we've got about three that are training with the first team squad, John. Yeah, that's right, and including Lecon, who you've mentioned. Um, I think he banged 51 in, I think, this year for the academy. Uh, but yeah, there are two other players as well that will be training regularly with the first team. So we're starting to see that flow come through now, which which is great, really. Um, it's you know it's not the academy it was three four years ago as Mike says we've revamped it we've looked at it we've got some great relationships and partner clubs connectivity as uh, as they like to call it you know we've got players playing out in Malta um, they're going on a tour up to Scotland um, before the start of next season so there's there's a lot happening it's exciting times for the academy and it's something that. Uh, we're really keen to give uh, youngsters from uh, from the area the opportunity, really, that perhaps we've not done in the past. We're going to turn our attention now to the finances of the club. Uh, people are always interested to hear exactly what's happening, and we've had one or two uh, questions on that front. And uh, one we've got is from uh, Tom Atkins, who says, that in terms of cash flow as a charity-owned club, should supporters expect player sales to make up a key part of financial projections by the club or are these considered surplus to a sustainable operating budget? I think they have to be surplus to a sustainable operating budget because you can never tell whether you're going to be um, having player sales through a season or not and certainly when we do our budgeting we don't include any player sales in that. You know, I mean, it's well known that clubs at the low levels, you know, do survive on bringing young players through and selling them on uh, to the higher league clubs. And, um, you know, that's a fact of life that most clubs have to do that. We intend on making sure our budget is sustainable without any of that sort of income to start with. And that is tough. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, we're a charity and to make ends meet becomes more and more difficult each year. You know, and uh, which is important, which is why it's important for us to try and get back into the AFL. You know, we had a real big boost a couple of months ago with um, uh, the two new investors that have come in, uh, Ashley and Phil Kirk. And, you know, they're very, very um, excited, very keen. Uh, they brought money in with them. And um, that will help us to achieve some of the things that we want to achieve, some of the plans that we've got in place. Uh, so, yeah, it's tough. Finances are always tough. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll get up and we'll have another season uh, trying to get back into the Football League. Well, you mentioned uh, uh, Phil and Ashley Kirk. And one of the questions from Jamie Howard says, uh, uh, what new ideas has the new board member brought in so far? I think uh, they've certainly brought enthusiasm. Um, and Ashley's very much been looking at the figures, uh, asking questions, probing questions, which is good. 
And uh, I think that we'll sort of see the benefit really moving forward now of, of their involvement in the club. But yeah, it's really reviewing things, cost bases, um, exactly really what Ashley said he was going to do when he, when he came in initially. And uh, he's certainly taken that to task. Yeah, I mean, I think he's brought that business acumen. He's run his own business before, a successful business. And I think he'd like to apply some of those lessons he learned in that to the football club to see if um, you know, we can bring any benefits for further income streams or, or cost cutting. And I mean, we've always looked at that. You know, we've been trying over the last couple of years to get to grips with the finances. And it is tough. So any, any welcome pair of hands is, um, is good. Well, Jamie Howard again on the uh, the theme of the uh, the, the debt, uh, the current club debt owed to the trust. Believed it was uh, ten million pounds in the last accounts. What date are the board targeting for this to be either paid off or written off? Well, we're not um, we're not looking to pay it off or write it off at this stage. Um, that sits as an asset for the trust. It's never been an issue for us in terms of trying to recover that debt from the football club, obviously. It would be an impossibility. One of the things that we are looking at is uh, is to try and strengthen the football club's balance sheet and the trust balance sheet by um, turning that debt into shares, issuing more shares. And that would give the supporters the option of trying to buy shares if they wished as well, which helps both ways. It brings income into the club, but also strengthens our balance sheet as well and makes sure that the football club is in a much safer position going forward. It's been pointed out that uh, we've been televised a great deal over the uh, past season. Uh, Is this uh, forecast in the budget or do we take it as a bonus when we uh, receive the TV coverage? One for you, John. Yeah, um, we do take it as a bonus. We certainly don't uh, take for... Well, we, I think we're contracted to have a minimum of one game uh, on live on BT. Uh, but I would stress that the numbers are not what they are, certainly, I think, from where Sky, when we're in the EFL. From memory, I think it's 7,000 we get for a home game and 2,000 for an away. So it's not it's not big numbers... Um, but there are bolt-on things for it as well in that it gives more exposure for our uh, existing sponsors which is always great the, the viewing figures that BT have so so there are bolt-on benefits as well and and certainly we, we, we I think we just put the one in well we do we just put the one in the budget that we're contracted to have so any above that is a is a bonus and has helped towards bringing players in over the last sort of 12 months or so really some further off the field questions and uh, Dave May has been in touch he's uh, got a few points that he'd like to cover the first one is the supporters bar so how are we uh, progressing with that Terry particularly has been work is working on that one I think that's with planning at the moment he's just making some tweaks to the planning that we've got there and uh, you know we're looking to progress it really um, as soon as we we get the permissions in place and there's some other tests being done to the car park so things are happening I think it's at the stage where things are happening with it but actually you can't actually see anything happening at the moment but certainly it's been worked on. Yeah it's a bit um, it's taken a little bit more time than we hoped it would but uh, you know some of that has been down to planning and, and making sure we've got the right planning permission through uh, they've kept coming back with tweaks to the design and, and whatever. But I think we're about there. I think the planning permission should be through within the next couple of weeks. But, of course, that's not the end of it then. Uh, the business plan needs to be finalised. But also, on top of that, needs uh, we need to go out for tender and we need to look for the right contractor, the right sympathetic contractor that will actually um, 
you know, do the job in, in the way that we want it doing. So we're looking towards the end of the year, I think, before it's up and running now. Another one that's uh, no doubt in Terry Ward's in-tray is about <laughs> the uh, Stand Road development. Uh, one that uh, he's, I know he's been uh, working on, but uh, any update on that, John? Uh, yeah, again, Terry's working on that. There are um, multiple uh, contractors involved with that pro project. It, it works from a framework from the Football Foundation who we're uh, applying to the grant for and we're working with for the grant. So I know it, it, it can feel a bit frustrating at times, but I think that's just because of the number of contractors that we've got working on it. And it's it's like the supporters bar, really. Well, it's more advanced than that. But it's, um, again, we're, we're looking to have some good news coming through on that, really, pretty soon. Um, to be honest, I think there's also consultation to be done with local residents as well. I know that that's been an issue, and it, f from the point of view, I think it's it's more around clarification really with local residents than than anything else. So. Yeah, with all the different groups that are involved, it's sometimes it's like trying to herd cats, isn't it? You know, you get one in place and the rest of them escape, and then you're pushing them for information. So, I think Terry's had a bit of a tottering time, but then he'd be pleased when it's finished. I think. I think from experience, when you're putting in substantial applications with the likes of the Football Foundation, Sport England and others, um, this is not unusual um, and we will work our way through them. It's just that we just want to make sure it's done right, really. So another question from uh, Dave is, is yet another project that's no doubt prominent on uh, Terry's to-do list, and that is the uh, maintenance around the stadium. So. Uh, I know that when we took over as the trust, we had uh, to catch up on works that were overdue. And where are we now in terms of the catching up with everything and, and getting the right sort of maintenance plans in place? I think, um, to be fair to Terry, it's a bit like the fourth bridge. You know, he starts at one end and by the time he gets back to there, it needs doing again. And we have spent an inordinate amount of money trying to get the stadium back up to where it should be. And there are still things that need doing. And we've spent, as I say, a significant amount of the budget, in fact, in excess of what we actually put in there to start with. But these are important things, you know, whether it's emergency lighting, emergency generators, or just down to repairing seats, you know, after the visit of some of the clubs that we've had. You know, so it's, it's an ongoing thing. And... Um, We've had to extend our, our budget on maintenance to make sure that we can actually meet that. But um, I think Terry's reasonably happy. One of the things that he has got is a fantastic set of volunteers that come down and work on a regular basis. They're about to kick off again for this next summer. And um, so they'll be working hard on the exterior of the car park, etc., but also under the stands and um, around the concourses and, and such like. So, you know, we're getting there with it. Let's not forget as well our uh, stadium manager, Dean Hill. We're talking yeah. about uh, all the work uh, for Terry, but um, Dean, of course, very much involved in uh, carrying out a lot absolutely. of the tasks. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, <coughs> eagle-eyed supporters will have noticed we recently advertised for some assistance for Dean. That appointment's now been made and uh, the successful post holder will be starting in the next couple of weeks. To, to really back up and, and uh, uh, support Dean so he can concentrate on things moving forward. I mean, Mike said about things that we've done so far and, and, and we've already seen the benefits of that. Um, we had the um, 
extra power supply done I think it was towards the end of last year um, and without that we wouldn't have got the England under 21s that have been here this week so we've sort of seen the benefits from it I think the thing is with a lot of the repair work that's done in actual fact when you look you don't actually see what's been done but there's a lot of work that you'd notice if it wasn't done but actually when it is done you don't really notice it and, and as Mike says the volunteers and Dean and Terry who of course is a volunteer he might be a club director but he's still a volunteer Um, and I think that's it's easy to forget really it's like Mike says really it's a fourth bridge situation there's always something to do yeah one of the things I would like to mention while we're on maintenance is is the pitch itself we appointed a new groundsman um, not so long ago and uh, I have to say he's done a fantastic job so far the pitch looks in excellent condition you know for the um, for the under 21 game yeah and great to see the uh, under 21s back here we I've had the various England teams come here and that just shows us, as we've said before, the reputation that the club has with the FA, which is uh, very pleasing, John. Yeah, that's right. It's um, it's something that we were keen to do when the Trust took over and uh, we very quickly got England back involved. And uh, it did, did feel somewhat special, I think, this week, particularly you know, following the weekend... Um, of the Jubilee to have England here as well just sort of felt right somehow I thought um, it's great that uh, that we've got them here and uh, hopefully you know they've enjoyed their visit and they will be back again I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure they will um, we always enjoy having them and it gives younger football supporters across uh, across the county the opportunity to see uh, future top class talent really so a question here uh, is from um, Dylan Mann, who says, uh, what are your thoughts on safe standing? and What are the odds of it being installed in the south stand in the future? Well, I think, you know, I mean, safe standing is the, um, is the topic that everybody's talking about at the bigger grounds at the moment. I have to say it's not on our agenda at this point in time, and, you know, that's a financial thing. Um, but also in terms of... Um, letting the pilots take the course in the main football leagues, whether it's either Premier League or wherever. And we'll have a look at that and, uh, you know, we'll never say never, but at this point in time, I don't think we've got the funding um, or the will to actually go down that route. Of course, our fans have been involved in the pilot because there were standing Yeah, that's right, they were at Chelsea, yeah. So, exactly. Which I think were certainly one of the very first clubs to have it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. so yeah, they'll be able to give feedback on it. So we've talked about the South Stand and now um, Alex Green sends a message to ask about the North Stand and he says that uh, it's obvious that we struggled to fill areas of the ground with uh, the visit of certain clubs who bring a small amount of fans, exception of the likes of obviously Notts County and and Wrexham. Shouldn't we be trying more often than not to utilise the North Stand with vouchers for schools, other activity clubs, low-income families, etc., giving a reduced price for those on universal credit as well. So what are your thoughts on that, about any possible initiatives for uh, filling the North Stand? Um, that's ongoing. To be honest, we do that virtually every home game anyway. The community trust work really hard on it. We we often say the work, great work our trust does, and virtually every game clearly we wouldn't have done it for the likes of Stockport when it would have been full anyway Uh, but for games it's not we're on it every single home game and getting uh, several hundred of exactly the groups that you mentioned so um, it's something that we're already working on uh, is already happening and 
uh, will continue to do it. Well, if you look at the last game of the season, John, the Woking game, over 9,000 people here in the North Stand was, you know, virtually full. And that was down to the trust and the work that it does with our partners. Yeah. You know, to bring yeah, them exactly. in the schools, etc. So, yeah, it's something that we'd like to do. I mean, I know the board are keen to try and promote uh, youngsters coming to see Chesterfield as much as we possibly can. And um, we'll work with the trust to make sure that they get the tickets to be able to do it. Well, continuing on the ticket theme, there's a question from uh, Chris Wooler who raises the question of a possible points-based system. We've seen that when tickets are in demand, we experience that with, obviously, Chelsea, and then towards the end of the season, in the playoffs, obviously a limited amount of fans were able to go to Solid or more. So it did raise the question of a possible points-based system, he says, for the most loyal fans to be rewarded with a first opportunity to uh, buy such tickets. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, John. I think my first reaction is, well, of all the problems we get, that's uh, that's a great problem to have, really. But I take on board exactly uh, what the supporters are saying, that we, are, we do want to look and are looking at a points-based system. It's really, really difficult, and Solihull was probably as difficult as it gets, to be honest. Um, you know, people queuing overnight for tickets and... It's something certainly that we are working on and, and really just seeing whether our software can can make it happen. But certainly I think I think everybody's in agreement that the most loyal supporters uh, probably should get priority. It's just, it, it, it comes back to how do you define a loyal supporter all the time, I guess, you know. Is that somebody who buys a season ticket or is that somebody who comes to every game but doesn't have a season ticket? Um, and maybe a points-based system, if we can get that in place with the software we've got, is a way forward and, and we are looking at it. It is a difficult one though because, I mean, the software is getting better, you know, it's more and more flexible and we've got one of the top systems, we've got uh, a system called SeatGeek which, you know, many, many of the clubs in the AFL and the Championship and the Premiership have. But it's not always possible because a lot of the tickets are sold by the home club these days, so it doesn't pass through our system. You know, so if you wanted to record uh, the number of people who've gone to away games, say, and say that because they're, you know, that that's how we judge the loyal supporters, how far they travel in a season. You can't always do it because you don't know, you know, which supporters have gone and which haven't because they've not bought the tickets through us. They've bought them through uh, the club that we've actually visited. So we, it is tough. We do try and ask for tickets whenever we get the opportunity to ensure. So, for instance, Stockport springs to mind when we went there. Uh, earlier this year um, we asked for the tickets we asked the home club not to sell them online so that at least we can get them to season ticket holders um, and we do that whenever possible um, it does create extra work for us but it's it's worth it to reward the right people having said that we don't want to forget the people that do come every week and don't have a season ticket for various reasons really. yeah. I, th I think that's a really good point that you make John that um, how do you define you know, the loyal supporter you know, is it the person who puts his money up front because he's lucky enough but he can afford to do it? Or do you look at the people who have travelled the length and breadth of the country, you know, but can only do it, you know, once in every two games or so? It's a, it's a tough one. We'll have to sit down and never think about that, Nick. I should add that Chris, who um, raised the subject of a points-based system, he ends by saying, uh, many thanks for saving our beloved CFC. How does that make you feel, Mike, when you hear comments like that about the gratitude of supporters who are just delighted that the trust were able to step in and, and keep the club going. 
I think it's fantastic, and it and it, it really does bring it back to you, you know, why we did this and and why it's been worth all the heartache that we've had over the last couple of years. I was funnily enough stood in the co-op the other day, and. Uh, there was a young lad at the side of me in his uniform with his tie on. Couldn't have been any more than 13 or 14. And he said, hello, when are the tickets for Solihull on sale? And I said, oh, they'll, they'll be out in the morning. They'll be selling them in the morning. He said, I'd, I'd just like to say thank you for saving our football club. And it brings a lump to your throat and you think, yeah, that's exactly why we're doing it. You know, for these young kids and for our loyal supporters. Because we have the best supporters. I've said it many times and it, you know, I don't get boring about it. But, you know, they are the best supporters in the, in the lower leagues. There's no two ways about that. You know, they're fantastic. They follow us all over the place. And it's for them that we do it. You know, and, and they're right. You know, the club would have gone to the wall. I'm convinced of that. I was told it many times. And um, we stepped in and uh, it's been hard work. But, you know, I think we're in a much better position than we were two years ago. And it, I think for me as well, it's... Um, it, you certainly sense it when uh, you got to away games, particularly. Um, I mean, obviously it's great at home, but, you know... Halifax, two thousand in the, over two thousand in there, mm. a thousand down at Torquay. I mean, Torquay Town Centre around the front at Torquay the night before was like walking through Chesterfield Town Centre. To be honest, there were flags everywhere, people talking, and no southern accents much to be heard at all. Um, so it's uh, it just really backs up what Mike says really about our supporter base. There's also a thank you from a, a supporter based in uh, Worcestershire. And he says, um, just north of Hereford is where he's, he's, he's at. And he says, uh, we'd like to give thanks for the price freeze on the season tickets. He says, that was great for the received, uh, just renewed our three. And he says, offsets to some extent the increased cost of travelling to home games. So they travel all the way from... Uh, Worcestershire to come to home games so great to hear that sort of yeah, support fantastic. people are going to uh, those lengths to get behind the club and he says it makes him think of a further question about reiterating what other benefits are associated with being a season ticket holder um, obviously the, the prime one as we've mentioned previously is uh, being at the front of the queue for when uh, there's a limited number of tickets but you know a question of what else a season ticket holder gets as a benefit? Yeah, well, there, there is the uh, Spire Lotto membership, which uh, there is a benefit on that as well. Uh, but I think this is something that I want to really prioritise this year. And, of course, that doesn't have to just come at the start of the season, that we can look at maybe see if we can get some discounts elsewhere for season ticket holders, and they can actually be launched throughout the season. Um, it's something that I have actually given a a bit of thought to over the last few months and now it's summer um, we get a chance to sort of reflect a bit that's something that I would certainly like to get our commercial commercial team involved with. Well another project that um, the commercial team have been involved with this season has been the return of coverage on every home and away game through 1866 Sport so Mike what sort of feedback have you had from people who've been listening to the match commentaries? I, th I think it's been a lifeline for a lot of supporters. I mean, my mum can't get out of the house a great deal these days, but she avid listen, avidly listens to 1866 every week. And I think that it's going from strength to strength. You know, the number of listeners that we're getting is mounting all the time. Uh, we're getting sponsors now supporting the station as well. And um, I hope that it will continue to grow and grow. I think, I think over the first 
sort of 18 months, couple of years of trust ownership through a pandemic and, and everything that we've sort of mentioned in previous podcasts. It's, it's been, it certainly felt very much like a firefight at times um, and the amount of work to do. And we forget that, you know, doing support of bubbles and things like that that we had to do. Uh, but we can now hopefully start to look forward more and see changes like that with the season ticket. And also over the next few months, supporters will notice a, a big difference with the website. Um, we're investing in, in a website, which is very much a window on the world for the club, really, and up in our game in that area. And that, this is something that will continue to move uh, move forward. I think, uh, really, in all aspects, really uh, moving forward with the club and marketing the club. I'd just like to say thanks on behalf of the club to the likes of Phil Tooley, Josh Marsh, and Jamie Hewitt, who've uh, played vital roles in the uh, match coverage through 1866 Sports. So it is appreciated, and also to remind anyone with a business that there are sponsorship and advertising opportunities which are quite unique we have very impressive listening figures thousands of people listening on a match day so uh, you know there are opportunities if you are interested then please do get in touch with uh, Bridget Ball our marketing manager you'll find her contact details on the club website so we'll now turn our attention to the uh, community trust and uh, a successful project that's been running over the last few months is the Boots on Ground programme and we'll now hear from the programme manager, Bex White. We've been uh, welcomed uh, by the youths, which we didn't expect to be welcomed as well as we have done. Uh, They have engaged with us. We do work in partnership with Blend on a Friday evening, which is a youth club on West Bars, which is open seven till nine. Uh, And we see numbers of 100 plus on a Friday evening, which is fantastic because it's built up so much. Good kids, you know, behaving, just having a good time. And we have a good joke, we have a good laugh with them uh, while trying to make sure that they're safe and they're doing good things. What sort of feedback have you had from them? We've had good feedback. They've very quickly learned our names which is great because if they had no interest in us, they wouldn't bother doing that. I've had great conversations uh, over the weekend about how they're doing in their exams. They'll shout me when I'm walking towards them, like, Bex, had exams this week and it's been so hard. And it's good. They're telling us normal life stuff, which is, which is what we want. And we want them to be able to be comfortable with us. So if they do need help, they'll come to us. And what are the future plans for the project? So hopefully we have a review at the beginning of July and uh, we should run for another three months. And then hopefully we are making a difference. I think we're making a difference to some businesses as well as cutting down the crime and the local ASB. And then hopefully we can expand to other areas that need it. Well, John, uh, great to hear the success of the programme. Uh, what are your thoughts when you listen to uh, some of the comments there? Um, I think, well, we mentioned earlier about pride in um, the trust taking over the club and what it managed to do at that point. But I think, you know, that's real. I think we can all be proud of the work we've done there. These are the things that really matter to our community. And 
what a football club should be doing in its community. Uh, Bex and the other guys at the Trust have worked really hard on it. Um, they give up their evening times to go and work with the younger people. Um, I think it easily gets missed, the work the Trust does. Although we're getting better at telling people what we do, but projects like Boots on the Ground is tremendous. We were approached by uh, a number of partners, including the Borough Council, uh, and said, look, can you work with us on this project? They provided us some funding to work with it and it's been hugely successful. I mean, the numbers there that Beck says, like she says, a hundred youngsters coming along. We never expected those sort of figures, but it, what it does do, it shows shows the power of the badge and what, what the football club means. And, and we can engage with youngsters where I think other organisations that are perhaps seem to be more of the establishment just don't have that connection. And uh, again, one of uh, the people that asked questions earlier on mentioned about tickets for youngsters coming to games. Well, these are the type of youngsters as well that we that do get tickets to our matches. And that's something really that as a community trust owning the club that we can do. So it, it's, it's an add-on uh, benefit of the trust owning the club that when people and youngsters come to our activities like this, we, we, we do give them match tickets to come along and... Uh, uh, hopefully it's really start the start of a lifelong journey really with the football club because one thing we know is that once people support a club you don't change your you don't change your club and we'll hear now from uh, pc adam collins who works closely with the club and he gives us his thoughts on boots on the ground another great community trust project that's been running three months now just coming for review um, Queen's Park at the moment, they've been running it on a Thursday, Friday, uh, Saturday night, 10 till 6. Uh, just go around town centre and McDonald's and into Queen's Park and trying to cut down some of this antisocial behaviour. We've seen um, a massive spike on, and that's not just in Derbyshire, it's across the country. Um, again, community trust leading the way in terms of uh, initiatives. Stop them getting in trouble, you know, take back ownership of the park and town centre and hopefully stop them causing that antisocial behaviour, which ultimately cuts my workload down and my colleagues workload down in terms of call for service and, and damage crime reports and things like that so again community trust leading their way really and I'm, I'm more than happy to come and show some support for it this three month review we're going to go back and look at some stats so maybe something we could talk about uh, when we actually see the stats but I've no doubt it's, it's made an impression and on about widening it as well to, to other um, sort of villages and areas uh, obviously within the borough within the community trust so I've no doubt speak to these young kids here there's nothing for them to do in the area Nick um, and again we, we always talk about it at, at the club uh, through the police it's the power of the badge you know making that difference and getting that community support so it's brilliant Well Mike when you hear comments like that about the community trust leading the way what are your thoughts? Oh, just one of pride I mean it, it's an absolutely fantastic project again and to hear Adam say that uh, the trust is leading the way again is 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 a great comment and um it's, it's what we do at the Trust. You know, we want to be involved with our community. Uh, Adam is a great lad, and the fact that he gives his time up free of charge and comes down and, and works with us um, is amazing, really. And um, as John says, it's the power of the badge and the fact that the Community Trust owns the football club and both sides of that organisation now can come together for the benefit of, of our community. So it's absolutely brilliant to listen to it. People like Bex, you know, they're, they're brilliant. Interested to hear that uh, Adam's been showing the youngsters his football skills um, perhaps getting down to a training session at some point <laughs> might save us a wage. 
Yeah, it might be a useful midfielder, you know, Adam. <laughs> Never know. That's it for this edition of We Are Sailing. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. And as always, we welcome your feedback. Please do let us know your thoughts on social media or via media at chesterfield-fc.co.uk. And we'll return soon with another edition of We Are Sailing.